No, no, Evan and I collaborated on that. We both we had to use Burning Hell or something. Yeah, because <laughs> awesome. What what was the what was that one? Was that the last episode or two episodes ago? We were mad about something. So we... Yeah, I forgot what we were mad about. We were definitely mad. <laughs> I mean, I have a never-ending supply of angry music, so I mean, we can't possibly come up with enough magic to gather eight topics to possibly use up <laughs> all of the angry heavy metal I have uh, at my disposal. Yeah. The last fire will rise behind those eyes. Black house will rock. Blind boys don't lie. So clear through broken walls that scream I hear Cry system Come come to your brother What, uh, what episode is this? I'm not gonna lie, I don't know where it's. I thought it was 25, but get the fuck out of here, really? I think we're in. I thought we were in like the mid-teens. Yeah, I think you're getting us confused with Everyday Eternal. Let's see. Maybe you're right. Holy shit, you're right. Episode 20 was 25. No, no, wow. we're, in, we're in the 20s. This is episode 21. Okay. Yeah. Blackjack. All right, so uh, welcome to another episode of Tusk Talk. I'm joined today by him, you, Evan Nyquist. Hello, everybody. How you doing? The band from Leaving a Legacy Facebook group, Megadeuce, Josh Han. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> so because you're banned from that Facebook group, does that mean now we have like a podcast to podcast like rivalry? Is this Biggie Tupac or what? what's going on? Um, I'm trying to think like... You know, Adrian was our boy, so he left. So what do we do now? So we have nothing left to lose anyway. Yeah. I don't know if there's a hip-hop rivalry where a guy left and he was the only friend keeping us from beefing, but that's it if so. Adrian was god tier. Yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Tupac let Biggie sleep on his couch? <laughs> I Maybe? Yeah. I think so. They were pretty tight. Like, does anybody know, like, did Adrian leave, like, Ice Cube style? Was it, like, NWA style, or was it, like, an amicable parting, or anybody know ever know what happened to him? There's no word. I, I, I spoke to him a little bit after the cast. I was like, man, that cast really needs you, man. <laughs> he was like, oh, you know, like, he just didn't really respond. We were just talking about other life stuff instead of magic, but uh, it seems like he's maybe paying attention. He's always been more in adult mode, so. Yeah, I respect that. So I think That's he's fine. on that and like properties and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I got the sense you know he was doing it because he loved to play the game, and now they've got like a Patreon page and uh, T-shirts and like this Facebook group that seems like it's run by a bunch of insane millennials talking about toxic stuff and all this other stuff. So it's not really my cup of tea anymore, but people like it and. Any free content is good content. Oh, you can also go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash fuck you. Yeah, capital letters. (laughs) 
I'll never beg for money for a podcast. I mean, what the fuck? That's just weak. Anyway. They're, they're, uh, they're nice guys, though. You know, let them do their thing. I, you know, I don't care. Whatever. I just miss Adrian. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that wants, like, pro wrestling-style beefs, but I think we have enough in Atlanta, so I'll just let sleeping dogs lie. Maybe we can get something going with the salt mine, just start a fake rivalry with them. and. We need to uh, do like an invitational, like meet the Lurgoyfs, Lone Star Lurgoyfs halfway. And let me tell you about the Lurgoyfs. Yeah, you go first, Sean. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Sam is one style stealing motherfucker. I mean, like, I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't give him a T-shirt, and this whole thing started. So now they have Goyf talk, and now they have a Goyf invitational. I mean, want to look like, want to sound like, want to act like, style-stealing, N.W.A. biting-ass motherfuckers. And it's just got to the point now where I feel like if we do anything, we're just going to lift it, you know? I don't know. I, I like most of them, I, I, but I, I want to hate them so that we can have a, a rivalry with them. But anyway, I, I think most of them are going to Eternal Weekend, so maybe we can have some kind of... Uh, Tusk Goyf challenge and gore them. Yeah. So. Impromptu legacy old school like uh, vintage team battle. Well, the key is to cast Rest in Peace since a Thrag Tusk is still a 5 3, even under Rest in Peace, but uh, all Lurgoyfs are boned by Rest in Peace. Everyone should have to play Thrag Tusk or Goyf. <laughs> <laughs> Every deck has to have something with tusks in it or a, a creature with type Lurgoy. Oh, it doesn't have to be actual Goyf, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get a better, better creature out of it. You know, they're going to get Tarmogoyfs where we're going to get shitty things like, you know, Flint Hoof Boar and, you know, uh, Salt Road Armada. See, do Rhino have tusks? Probably has tusks. Yeah, that might be our best bet is Siege Rhino. Anyway, uh, Ivory Tower. Ivory Tower has tusks. Ooh, it does. It does, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Hold on, let me look. That's pretty good against Tarmogoyf. A bunch of elephants, right? Oh, yeah, big time. It's got, I can see four tusks on it. All right, so we do have an agenda for today. We uh, we were going to try to review a f- the last month's or so worth of legacies. So we had a... Uh, we had an SEG Classic in Atlanta. We had an SEG Team um, Tournament, which was Team Trios in Atlanta. And then we had uh, the Tuscitational 2. And uh, we did have a Commander set spoiled, but I'm not going to lie. There's just nothing in that set worth uh, probably talking about, at least for Eternal Play. It's pretty sad. I mean, I could talk about how sad I am that, like, we didn't get anything that kills True Name, but it's just to me. I, I don't know. There isn't anything that's set worth reviewing. So there's one and, card that I like. Uh, to Tafari's, to, to I don't know something. Two colorless, one white, and uh, you have protection from everything, and all your permanents get changed for that turn. Oh yeah, yeah, two and all. Tafari's protection, yeah. All your stuff phases out or something. Yeah, yeah. All, per- all permanents you control phase out. Uh, until your next turn, your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. Well, we're getting ahead of the horse here. Um, yeah. So I guess let's just like, do do it by chronological order. So um, we all played in the SEG weekend at some point. I guess I'm, I'm the only one who played in the team tournament. 
Not much yep. to say, uh, except that teams are fun. You know, it definitely makes a tournament more interesting. So I, I was surprised at how much fun I had, given how much I hate Magic. But uh, I was playing with a couple of old buddies of mine, Saul Malka, Sean Rusing, and I played Legacy. And uh, we started off pretty hot. I think we were 4-0, 5-0 maybe. I think we were 4-0. And then we slid back. And uh, we would have barely day two'd, but we we no showed for day two. We were out of contention for top eight <laughs> at that point. So not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, I played Tesserator and played against a bunch of the same true name, brainstorm, portent, ponder, fucking forcible decks. Nothing very interesting. And when I was on the play and had good hands, I won. And when I was on the draw and my opponent played like a donkey, I still lost. And but I did win my camera match against elves, so that was satisfying. But on the subject of Yeah, that was a fisting. I mean I had chalice every game, so I don't know I don't know exactly what was going through my opponent's mind when he kept his game two hand, but I guess he thought that was a good enough hand. When I snap keep a seven I guess he yeah, he snap keeps a seven with no way to remove chalice of the void. And then I keep seven. He's got to know I have a chalice, and then he just gets chaliced, and he does nothing. And I, I don't, I don't know what his plan was. I couldn't really see his hand. I watched the replay, but whatever. I mean, I chaliced an elf deck. It really wasn't anything interesting. But if you're playing green and you're playing green creatures, and you can't get rid of a zero converted mana cost artifact, you probably kept a bad hand or you built a bad deck. So, man, I never snap keep. Like, I feel like you're just giving off too much information. Even if I know it's a snap keep, I just pretend. Yeah, and he, you know, I, I mean, even if he has a decay, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. There's not a lot I can do in Tezzeret to play around it, and I had no other turn one play. I mean, the only way I can really try to play around a decay is to waste, to waste him off of his bayou, maybe, and, like, get rid of his shaman. But with elves, you can't do that because you can't afford the, the turn. You know what I mean? So... If I have a chalice, I'm pretty much just going to play it. I'm not playing Force of Will, so like I, I have a hard time protecting it. The only other card I have that I can protect it with is uh, uh, Kambal Council of Innovation, but he's slow. And I do bring him in against elves because he can kind of hard lock them. Yeah, I don't know why, why he kept that hand. I don't. I, I think you try to go to six to find either a Green Sun Zenith, a Decay, or the actual Rex Sage. Unless you just had some absolute god hand on seven. He didn't have a god hand, so. So, anyway, Elf sucks. I don't want to talk about it. It's the same piece of shit deck it's been for three years. But back to the subject of teams, the uh, the actual team format uh, is pretty fun, and it looks like it's going to be a big part of what Wizards is doing next year because uh, I don't think we announced this the last cast, but the Grand Prix schedule for, for next year, the first half of it has been spoiled. They've also spoiled that the Pro Tour 25th anniversary is going to be the same team trios format of Standard, Modern, and Legacy. So it means we're going to have Legacy on the Pro Tour for the first time in, I think, uh, ever. We had extended Pro Tours, I think. Yeah, I believe it's the first time ever. That's pretty cool, you know, just to have a the highest level of Magic, I guess, be subject to Legacy's warts. It's going to be really interesting. I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, I know we have a year's worth of sets, and we have a lot of things that might change in the interim, but overall, what do you guys think the impact of of having a the highest level of Magic be, be, be Legacy? Do you, do you think it'd be good? Do you think it'd be bad? It should be interesting, like you said, because all the pros, like we've been talking about the store kind of, is like all the pros are going to kind of 
go for what's perceived as the best deck, and they're all going to really try hard to find out the best deck. So it's going to be a lot of, I think, the same decks. So I don't know if maybe before then, Watsi might try to shave back some of the stuff like a show-and-tell deck that seems like a pretty solid guess to be, like, the best deck possibly. So they might try to, like, even curve stuff back by banning, or they might just leave it alone, and it kind of worries me if they leave it alone and everybody shows up with, like, when the Miracles deck got banned, it was basically because all the best players finally started just saying, I'm just going to play Miracles, and that's what kind of was the final straw. So be interesting to see if they do nothing until then and everybody goes on the same deck, and then they might ban something after that, but... I mean, a lot of what, a lot of what Pro Tours are about, though, is you 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 have. Well, first of all, they're going to put in probably more work, just more more actual hours than most people would ever put in on Legacy. And then second, if you know for certain that there's a best best deck, then then Plan B can become to just play like a Predator deck. So you know, if you just decide, and I'm not saying this is true, let's just say for the sake of argument that Show and Tell is by far and away the best deck in terms of like. The variance, ease of playing it, and the raw power, everything you want in a deck, right? It's crazy. And they all decide that. I mean, then the, then it might cause some of the pros, since they are earning a living playing this game, to disproportionately pray, play a deck that preys on show and tell. So, I mean, that could skew the result. So you get, like, a really weird-looking inbred metagame where everybody's on show and tell or, like, a ensnaring bridge deck or something like that? I think... Uh... I don't know if Show and Tell has the same like remarkable power that Miracles did as far as having so much control over the game. Show and Tell is a little more of a it has raw power and it's very easy to play, but I think I think the ceiling for it is a lot shorter than the Miracles deck is or was. It definitely you can win games, but it is it can get hosed out a lot easier than Miracles could. Miracles had a lot, a stronger engine to fight through a lot of different types of hate. Had a stronger engine to just still win even against hate. It had a strong engine to counter pretty much anything the opponent was doing. Uh, it had board wipes. It just had a lot going on. It could really handle almost anything. Show and tell is a little more, has a little more like kind of ramming your head into a wall aspect to it. And, I think some players might be less prone to that. Some might, you know, go something more like a Delver route um, and then just upping their, you know, becoming that sort of predator deck. I think the, basically I think the predator spread will be higher than just one or two decks. I think that people will be kind of curving their decks more to face things like show and tell if that is the perceived biggest threat. Um, yeah. There's still a lot of big decks like lands. I think you could definitely see. Uh, I think D&T you'll definitely see. I think you'll see a ton of different Delver variants. Yeah, I think you'll see a unless something changes. And again, we got we have essentially a calendar year. But if you were to have the play tour this coming weekend, uh, yeah, I agree with you. There'd be a bunch of four color shitbox Delver. Maybe maybe you know you've got extra thought seasons or something for show and tell. But yeah, I, I think the pros that that want to play on their you know quote unquote skill. We'll pick we'll pick the greediest Delver deck possible, you know, or the greediest blue deck possible. I mean, if you look at the like the Card Kingdom thousand dollar or the Legacy for, I think it was the invite only Legacy for Eternal Weekend. 
if you look at like the finals of that, Randy played a four-color Leovold pile that he'd never played before. He missed a bunch of triggers completely. Basically, Leovold was a hill giant, and it didn't matter. He still won because the power level of all the cards is just, you know, so through the roof. You have the best cantrips, the best removal, the best card draw, the best creatures. You don't have to interact in combat at all if you have something like True Name. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think a year... I wouldn't be shocked if if one of the big pillars of the of the decks to beat gets gets kicked out. I mean, Legacy is kind of flat, and I think they'll be more cognizant of it with a Pro Tour coming up. Like, they don't want a Pro Tour that's 80% Grizzlebrand. Like, I think that would be pretty embarrassing. They may take a harder look than they normally do. You know, I don't think Brainstorm's getting the axe or anything rational, but I could see maybe Grizzlebrand going if this Reanimator deck keeps seeing a bunch of play and and sneak attack sees a bunch of play. Yeah, it would it would be kind of bad at the highest level. Like we already saw it at GP finals where the guy had, you know, turn one show and tell a force backup with Grizzlebrand. It's just like completely uninteresting, a complete blowout and it'd be really embarrassing to see at like the highest level just something like that happen on camera a bunch, you know? Yeah, because it's the production values way higher, you know when some random Japanese tournament organizer is streaming the GP on, like, Bukaki.net or whatever that get, streaming service was, nobody was really watching, nobody really cared. But if the actual Wizards channel, Pro Tour coverage, the lights, everything, it's just like, Paddle Tomb, you know, Emrakul, you know, it's... Force your force. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just, or, or even the stupid red-black reanimator deck. I mean, you know, it's just it's just not interesting at all. and. It's not going to lead to any interesting magic, and it's just going to perpetuate the myth, which maybe it's not a myth, but it's going to perpetuate the the myth that eternal formats are these, you know, turn one, turn zero formats, which isn't true most of the time, but, you know, the worst cases are, they do look pretty miserable, so. Yeah, and you don't really want people to actually see, like, believe that, even though it's not necessarily true, and then actually just see it on camera happening over and over. Yeah, and you're, and you're, you're talking about, I, I don't know how many more people view a Pro Tour than view, let's say, the average GP, but is it, is it, is it safe to say it's an order of magnitude, like four, four or five times the amount of people? I, I guess I don't keep up with the numbers, but I, I got to imagine that a lot more people tune into the Pro Tour than tune into, like, your average GP every weekend. I'm sure more, more people are watching a Pro Tour, but I guess to, like, expand on your point, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they want to avoid, you know, any sort of stereotypes on the format because they want to keep it interesting and exciting. And if you're fulfilling stereotypes, that's obviously, you know, the opposite. We'll see if they ban stuff. I'm, I'm half and half on like a lot of the tournament results lately, as far as how uh, skewed they are towards certain decks. There's a little bit of variety still. Um, but I, I do think that there's just like a lot of powerhousing combo decks right now. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of the current variety though is because it's still a lot of like legacy only players that play the format and still have their quote unquote pet decks rather than once you hit like the pro tour and the GPs, then you're seeing a lot of like the same decks over and over again. So I think a lot of the variety still has to do with the tournaments not quite being big enough to bring out the grinders essentially. And there's no budget constraints at the pro tour level. Right. Right. Everybody will have access to all the cards they could ever want. You know what I mean? Like, if Ole Rad asked me for a deck, I'd be like, yes, I'll just loan you this entire deck. You're Ole Rad. You're going to come play on the Pro Tour. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
that's exactly it. Like with all the pro players, I mean, some people think that it's going to be tough for them to get cards or whatnot. But I mean, even our locals in our area, they're just playing like at our weeklies have access to almost any deck borrow, you know, like as long as you're cool and you know, some people, you should be fine. If you're a pro tour player. Oh God. Yeah. Nonetheless stores like, yeah, wear this like wristwatch, you know, with our logo on it. <laughs> you know, like there's there's so many ways to work around that. Yeah, well anyway, we have a long way to go. We've got uh what, the fall set and then we have the creator set in the spring and maybe the creator will just fix things and um you know, much like the messiah figure that he is, he will return from the clouds and save us all. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped on him coming back. I think the creator will do more than good justice. All the sets that he's been a part of have been uh, extremely well received. And, like, if there's any really great set for him to come back for, this is the one. Yeah, it's going to be fucking sick. So the, the team... Jesus, just cough up a fetus? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, Team Trios constructed, and they've got one uh, the very first GP of the year on the 5th of January is in Santa Clara. Uh, and then they've got Team Trios in Madrid on March 9th, March 23rd in Kyoto, and then they have actual just plain old Legacy, and this is going to be sick. They're doing Legacy and Standard stacked. It's going to be uh, the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th, so a four-day GP in Seattle to celebrate the return of the Creator in the Creator's hometown in the birthplace of Magic for the Seattle GP, so... That's going to be the best GP maybe ever, and um, there are a lot of rumors circulating around this GP. You know, first of all, the fact that it, there's a full extra day. Second of all, it's legacy, and there are rumors like that the actual Watsi employees, so you have a lot of the artists who work for Watsi, uh, are going to come out and attend that GP, and it's really going to be more of a celebration of the 25th anniversary of Magic, which is going to be sick. Uh, and then there's another Legacy GP, similar thing, where they're going to do um, uh, Legacy and Standard, because there's no overlap pretty much, in Birmingham, England. I thought it was Birmingham, Alabama at first, and I, my mind was fucked. Um, and then there's another Team Trios a week after that in Toronto. So you're going to have back Legacy on back-to-back weekends. And uh, so, so if you count the Team Trios, that's a lot of Legacy, which is... Runs totally counter to what I thought we were going to get this year. And I think they figured it out, which is, hey, you can have legacy GPs. Just run them side-by-side side with standard because there's no overlap. And the people who want to play standard are basically not the people who want to play legacy and vice versa. So, you know, for your TO, he doesn't have to worry about bad attendance because he can run a standard event. And I think Channel Fireball now has proved that they can run the simultaneous GPs with the job they did at Vegas. So. Yeah. I think there's yeah. two additional points to that, where one is that... Uh, so Channel Fireball seems to be putting out a good amount of legacy content. They seem to have a little more interest in Eternal. I'm not sure 100% why, but they they have the 93-94 side events, which is pretty ambitious. And then they also have a ton of legacy content going on, and they seem to want to push it more. Or at least now they've taken hold, we've seen a huge jump in legacy. Uh, the other thing is is that Standard just hasn't been doing that well with attendance numbers lately. But I think that, that maybe Watsi has kind of backed off a bit on pushing it so hard and given the TOs more leverage to kind of collect more gains by having another format 
introduced, and to your point, it being legacy is a nice contrast and there's less overlap. You know, a lot of the legacy players don't have a lot of interest in standard and vice versa. Yeah, and then they, they said Vegas was like a test run, and then Watsy's, you know, basically said this was a huge success. Yeah. Oh, so you can, you know, they're gonna do like they're gonna do Vegas again next year. Only it's gonna be standard and modern. So I don't know if I'll go again next year. I'll probably just go to Seattle instead. But oh, they're not doing Legacy at the Vegas GP. No, the Vegas the Vegas one is gonna. So this year Vegas one was uh, uh, Legacy, Modern, and Limited. And next year they're just gonna do a double header Modern Standard, um, which I think is fine because the Seattle one's like a couple of months before that anyway. So I'm gonna go skiing in the fucking you know. Cascade Mountains, and then go to the Creators uh, fucking Return GP, and so it's gonna be a sick weekend anyway. All right, so that's the future of Magic. All hail the Creator. Yeah, so that's teams, uh, and then next up on the Sunday of the SEG weekend here in the A was the Star City Games Classic, and uh, you guys both played more than I did. I played Jund and flooded out and lost to a man who didn't know how stage depths work, but I didn't have the heart to actually. Uh, call a judge, so I just went and ate Korean barbecue. How did you guys do? Um, I got to top 16. I show and tell. <laughs> it was pretty uneventful. I cast show and tell a bunch, and I put in Grizzlebrand and or Omniscient sometimes. I put that in, too. That's a, that's a good card. Do you have any and my strategy tips for our listeners on how to play Omniscient? Draw seven with Grizzlebrand. <laughs> that's pretty good. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if your opponent has a Leovold or something. You just draw seven and then attack them until they're dead. I didn't do that, but I've seen it happen recently. So, so um, you, did, you didn't lose to Burn. That had to be humiliating. Yeah, that was my first game. I lost to Burn, and it was pretty rough. I was wondering what the fuck I'm doing with my life, why I'm playing show and tell while I'm losing to Burn. Let's set the stage. We'll, we'll take a big step back, actually. So, you know... You, and I guess I fall into the same boat, you know, complain constantly about Show and Tell and Grizzlebrand and how stupid it is. And so, but, and all of us have boasted and we've all over the years threatened to play a Grizzle Ape or Show and Chimp. But like, I don't think any of us ever pulled the trigger on it. We all own all the cards or whatever or can borrow all the cards. So that's not the issue. It's just we have like some pride in our like lives. But you, but you finally just said, fuck it. And called up our teammate, uh, uh, Matt Webster, and borrowed his, like, fully pimped Korean signed black bordered that he never plays, all Korean, all signed, sneak attack, Russian fucking... So you were, I mean, you were loaded for bear. Like, the average ape that looked at you playing this deck probably thought you were a show-and-tell aficionado, a member of the show-and-tell Facebook group, and knew what you were doing. Oh, God. Who else would pimp out of, Who else would pimp <laughs> Who else would pimp out his deck like that? And then, and then, like after round one, I'm just expecting you to have killed your opponent, and you're like, "No, nah, I lost the burn." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. I think the the most annoying part of the weekend actually was I was playing against a man. I forget who it was, and I just like I think I fetched a Valk, which was they were you know FBB, and I'm playing Korean and Russian signed, and I'm like fetch a basic island, and he's like. That's not foreign, and I'm like, it's fucking beta signed. What the fuck do you mean? <laughs> like, like, are you talking shit about my beta signed basic lands? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole new world when you when your deck is pimped. You you, you can lose with style. 
So, uh, so you top sixteen and you played show and tell. So there's actually no interesting strategy. Was there? Was was there any remotely interesting play in the entire day of aping Grizzlebrand into play? Um, let's see. Yeah, I put in Grizzlebrand off a of show and tell. My opponent put a tireless tracker. Oh yeah. I think next turn, I, I drew seven that turn. Next turn, I attacked him and went back to eleven life. I drew seven trying to win, couldn't win, so I'm just tapped out with a handful of cards at four life. My opponent has a tracker on board with a clue and just goes, draw, go. And I'm like... (laughs) 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 My man that can't interact with Grizzlebrand at all, can't block and do anything, just pass turn. I I played Jund, which is a waste of time, but there was a funny, funny interaction. Some guy copied this, you know... Depths Grizzlebrand Reanimator crossover deck, and he did a couple. He beat me, which was amazing, and he did a couple of things that were amazing. One was he just like played Lake of the Dead and singled himself because he didn't know how it worked. So that that was good. He also beat me that game. The other game, he, he I cast a Deathrite Shaman. So he's playing Reanimator, and I cast a Deathrite Shaman, and he goes, "What does that do?" and <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how are you playing Legacy? Like, what what world? And, I mean, the guy probably won half his games, and he doesn't know what that card does, and he's playing a reanimator deck. <laughs> he doesn't know what, like, the fourth most played card in the format is. And he didn't know how the... He, 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 he put Dark Depths into play when he had Thespian Stage, and he just stared at me, and he went, do the thing, and he just, like, points at his board. And I'm like, and then you, you guys, you guys, you guys are standing behind me, right? I was just like, yeah, do the thing. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you died. <laughs> yeah, then I died. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I couldn't find a wasteland to just absolutely destroy him. He was doing everything wrong, like the most, the most poorly timed Mary Lage creations, everything, and just I'm playing John, just trying to desperately draw a wasteland off the top of my library, and I just can't do it. Anyway. So, Evan, you fared a little better than me, and, uh, sorry, you fared much better than me, and you fared a little better than Josh, so do you, uh, do you remember your, your run? You made, uh, you made top four, I, I think it was a top four split, and, uh, what do you yeah. remember from the event? I played, uh, Black Green Deaths, I've been playing it for a very long time, a lot of different variants, slow versions, fast versions, etc. I went into it just expecting to lose and go see Corey, um, Feldman play uh, that night at around like eight o'clock. I was going to meet my friend. So I was kind of like fine with losing as I walked in. Um, started out, I played against uh, Red Black Reanimator. I think he was wearing a cowboy hat and <laughs> he had uh, black lotus sleeves, and he kept like shuffling really hard, and then he'd like slam his deck against the table every time. So I was trying to figure out what to put him on. You know, I wanted to just say burn, but the sleeves kind of threw me off. Anyways, I lost the dice roll. I lost all the dice rolls the whole day. I lost every single dice roll. He opened up game one, like, you know, fetch Bloodstain, gets Badlands. Uh, I mean, when he fetched Bloodstain, I knew he was on Reanimator, but when he had Badlands, I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I had a great hand, but it wasn't for, you know, fighting off turn one Bristlebrand, which he did. And uh, I thought about it for a second. Pretended I had counter magic for a while and let it resolve, and uh, then just folded. She was yeah, really. She that's, was, a, that's a tough decision, you know. Like, I guess you had. Were you maining Caracas or no? No. 
No, Caracas is in the sideboard. Okay, yeah. um, I even had crop rotation and an Elvis Spear guide, but I didn't have a land, so there's uh no I couldn't I couldn't bog him in short. Um, yeah, you need a gemstone cavern. Clearly, you need to put in your deck. Yes. Um, so anywho, he uh, he was real excited. I think I might have thrown him off with the you know baiting out sort of counter magic. He sideboarded out like eight cards. And he didn't see anything, so I was like, all right, well, you must think I have counter magic, anyways. I basically just steamroll him with bog a couple times. Holy raid. He. The one interesting thing about that I remember was in game three, he I had a hex mage and depths out, but I had another hex mage in my hand, and he was kind of hell bent. But I had a feeling that he had that the mini the show and tell sneak attack young brother card. Um, Heisenberg gambit. Yeah, that one. I think I knew about a tide spout for some reason. Anyways. He cast that, and I just dropped my other Hex Mage and uh, killed him out. And then uh, went from there on to play a larger man who was very, very quiet. He had pink sleeves. Goblins? Burn? I put him on Eldrazi. <laughs> uh, like, I figured, like, he might be, you know, just, like, real quiet, you know, maybe playing some sort of aggro deck. He opens up with uh, Chalice. On uh, traders, so I think that he's possibly on Eldrazi. I test him on his chalice just to see where he's at. I try to thought seize him, and he catches it pretty fast. So he goes, starts going off with like Rabble Masters pretty quick, and then he drops a chalice for two. I basically I could have got there if he didn't drop the chalice for two because I had Hex Mage and I had Depths ready to go, um, but it still would have been pretty tight. Um, I accepted that. Game two, uh, I mull and I find a decay, and I have Verdant in hand. I'm on the play, so he just goes ahead and drops a Chrome Mox, no land, and passes. And I got a pretty, so I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's just got a handful of just everything. Um, so I'm a little resilient to go too heavy because he could just top deck something and just blow me out. I basically pull another decay and I start getting parity. He doesn't play another land and I just abrupt decay his chrome mox. He has nothing and kill him. And then in game three, he basically tries to blood moon me twice in short and I knock out both of his blood moons and kill him. When you play against the blood, like those sort of decks, you want to hold back as much as you can, build up your mana sources. You want to maul for, you know, weapons to fight against, either in Snaring Bridge or Blood Moon. Decay is huge. I usually pack a Crossing Grip or two, so I usually have, you know, five to six answers, depending on the build at the time, um, and I found them and got them. I uh, played another Reanimator deck after that. It's like, just like a nice neighborhood kid. I He was playing next to me when I was playing against the Red Black, I'm sorry, the, the Moon Stompy deck. So I saw an Entomb, that's all I really remembered. He's playing against like some kind of cute girl. I kind of just noticed the game and looked at his hand for some reason. I just had remembered that when I played him. And I had a hand where I figured I could bait him pretty good. So I went ahead and played Land, Lotus Petal, and Sylvan Library. And he did basically nothing on his turn. And then he went ahead and Entombed at the end of my turn. 
Uh, I just Elvis Spear guy crop rotation and bogged him. Uh, and uh, from there, it was just kind of uh, it was a back and forth for a while. I couldn't find lands, and then eventually, I finally got him, knocked him out. In the next game, too, pretty similar, just bogging these fools. Bunch of reanimator decks. I played three in the tournament, actually, but I played two, and I only played three rounds. So, I mean, one was the variant with with the uh, Lake of the Dead, but the other was the red black one. There was a lot of that deck. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of it at the team event too. I mean, there was. Uh, a, I underestimated in the team event the amount of people that would have the four color Delver decks or the four color shitbox decks. So that maybe budget was isn't such a big deal. The next game I played against, like, Brat Guy, I couldn't, I didn't know what to put him on, so I figured some sort of Delver pile, and uh, I was pretty much right. I don't really remember it, Delver, but he had, like, Leovold, and he had, like, the new Liliana. It's got, like, her hands in the air, and uh, we just had a ton of back and forth. He was playing Wastelands, Counter Magic. I'm, I'm targeting, discarding him. We're just going, I'm needling his Liliana, and it's just... You know, a little and needle his wasteland, etc. And we're just we're just kind of bashing heads for a while. Um, and then finally, I, I I have him, I have him kind of trapped. So I pull out Oli and cast him. He thinks about it, forces it, and uh, it's game one. So I'm like, huh? Because he has got. Oh, he did have Del. He had a he had a flip Delver. So yeah, he was playing some sort of Delver shit box. But I knew I could get Sazeri step and just fly through. Um, and, uh, it's game one. So I'm like, all right, I'll just step and fly through and kill. And granted before this, when he forced me, he forced me with the invocation, force of will. Ooh. Yeah, it was savage, man. I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, man. And like, but anyway, so I, I go to my turn and, uh, I get a uh, step and to swing in and he's like, you know, before attacks, he's like, he's like cast and he just doesn't even say the name and he just shows me an invocation card. I'm like, what is that? And he's, he's like, diabolic edict. <laughs> wow. Game one invocation edict just fucking knocks me off my chair dead. It would have been sick if he fucked up and accidentally used diabolic intent. It shares like all but a few letters. You know, he just fucked up, and, and I couldn't tell the difference if, if he paid me. But I, I noticed they made invocations for both of those, and they just look the same. They all look the same to me. They all look the same. Like, that is literally, it's off by, you know, a few letters here in the end. But I guess that would have been an out, you know. If he accidentally bought one, like, instead of... In game two, he has a hand that is just, I thought sees him on turn one, and he has, like, literally five lands and a brainstorm, and I take his brainstorm. He's got, like, five lands and just draws into blue cantrip after blue cantrip and just, he just goes absolutely apeshit, and I lose, and that's it. You know, I'm, I, I get fucking wrecked, basically. One of those times where you're not drawing too hot and they're just drawing all the good stuff, so I just Well uh, they're drawing cantrips and his deck has eighteen lands, so Right. Pretty easy. Like once you get one cantrip, it's pretty easy to just have nonstop business because the fucking 
Yeah, the fucking shaved ape Jun player playing 23 lands is over there flooding out against somebody who doesn't know what Deathrite Shaman does and losing, and you're playing 18 lands, and you have, you have like, three of them in play, and you have, you know, all the cantrips in the universe to ensure that you always draw business for the rest of the game. Yeah. Anyways, in the next game I play against, I think the same opponent you played, the the depth and reanimator guy. Uh, he's, he's real nice, and, uh, you know, we, we play, and he turn one Iona's me, and uh, name's Black, surprisingly. I was like, okay, wow, that's brutal. And I sit and I think about it, man. I, I'm in the tank probably for too long, probably like a minute I'm in the tank. Just thinking if I just scoop here and conceal information. I do the math on my hand, and I'm like, I think I can possibly fight through this. Because Iona can't fight Merrill-Age that well. I don't know what I would name. Like, if, if I even if I knew what you were on, and I, let's say the only reanimation option turn one via, like, a looting or something, or thought-seizing myself, was Iona. I think I, I would name... Uh, Green. I would name Green, right? It's like the fastest path to Merrill Age. You name Green because I have like eight targeted discards, which don't really matter against him. And uh, Hex Mage isn't, I can't tutor for Hex Mage. Right, right, yeah. And But the thing yeah. is, I can still, I can use all my green tutors to go find stage and deaths, you know. Or, or if I think you have Krakus in your deck, that's the way for you to get Krakus. Yeah, this is game one, so he's like. But yeah, I agree there too. I mean, this is a guy who didn't know what Deathrite Shaman did and didn't know how his combo worked and sinkholed himself with Lake of the Dead. So that's that's where we're at. Right. It's yeah. also like, you want to name Green because you would assume your opponent might have Krakus. All their tutors are available, and you're assuming that black-wise, they probably don't have a main board answer to take out an Iona. Like, even if they can cast black spells, what black spells are they going to have main board that can answer your Iona? Maybe an edict. That's my round, it, my so. round one opponent had two snuff outs. That's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyways, I, I outrace him, and uh, we go to game two, and basically Caracas pretty much wraps up that game. He does have a misplay, from what I remember. When I Caracas his Gristle Brand, he doesn't draw seven. So I think that. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading Understanding Grizzlebrand the other night, and the first chapter, first paragraph, first sentence is, when you have Grizzlebrand in play, you should draw seven. <laughs> That's what Cody did. He got Krakus by the player just didn't draw seven. There's a lot of people that don't do it, though, surprisingly. It's pretty amazing, so I'll, I'll take it, though. Anyways, I, he, tries, he gets Merrill Age going, too. He tries to, and it's just... I feel pretty confident against anyone else playing Merrill Age that isn't on a similar deck as mine. Uh, mainly just because of Caesarea Step and Caracas. I can, and all my tutors. It's going to be a tough road for anybody playing against me for the most part, um, unless they just get a better hand, etc. cetera. Uh, and I go on to play Blue White Control. Uh, guy's hilarious. We're pretty much just laughing. I'm halfway kind of hoping that I die so I can make it to this show uh he plays real tight and uh we're giving you know we're taking our licks back and forth and uh we're kind of just laughing it through but eventually uh i get him holy raid was 
by far the MVP in this match, as it should be. I mean, the main the main purpose of the card is to get around, you know, any sort of blue-white control decks. But also just the Edict effects is the big, big one. Edict is huge. It's the one time, it's my one loss before the top eight was strictly because of the Edict. Um, so he's really good in that regard. Um, but he gave me a pretty good control route against the control deck. Anywho, I go on, I take him out. I play against Grixis Delver. He's a nice guy. He's very smiley and animated. He's from Jacksonville. Um, I 100% put him on Grixis, and I am correct. <laughs> Another dice roll is lost. Bolting me, Delver, just doing all the value cards. Uh, he does proceed to wasteland my stage early before I even am representing combo, which is excellent. I start throwing bait spells at him. He's forcing them. Uh, looks like I'm dead, and uh, I'm at, like, four life and he is the team on board. I know that I've, I've pretty much baited out all of his counter magic. He had, like, forced me and dazed me uh, the turn before, and uh, I just get step and uh, kill him. And uh, game two, uh, again, we have a lot of back and forth. He's wastelanding me, counter magicing me. Um, he lands Delver earlier. He's riding it. Uh, I'm representing combo. He has a Wasteland out, and I'm fine with this. I have Dark Depths and Hex Mage in my hand, and I have Urborg. So I can, I, can, I can represent another combo. And so, and I've been sitting there. We've been kind of sitting there for a while. You know, he's had the Wasteland. I've been holding the combo. He calls a judge to make sure he understands what's a Wasteland. That's fine. And um, I go ahead and activate, you know, and he's like, okay, I'm going to Wasteland you. And... He wastelands, I mean, technically the wrong card, but, you know, it stops the combo. It's fine. I go ahead and drop Dark Depths, and uh, this is all fairly slow. Not, I wouldn't say slowly played, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm stopping and thinking through each play. And, you know, okay, I play Dark Depths, and he agrees, and then I tap them both and play Hex Mage. And he kind of, like, sinks his, his head into his hands just gets very flustered and he's like, he's like, see, like I really wanted to play this card before this. And I'm like, okay, like I've cast text mage. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but like you played it too fast. And I'm like, uh, all right. Well, I was like, we can call a judge or whatnot. And, and he like shows me that he's holding it like a surgical in his hand. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, uh, I don't know what to tell you at this point, you know, like, I mean, this is, like, literally right before top eight. And there's, like, a, a good amount of people around us. I mean, probably, like, eight or nine people watching the match. Call judge, and he's like, all right, call judge. And judges come over, and he kind of explains it, and, like, one of the judges just gives him, like, the crazy face. But I'm like – He's kind of telling his story, and then I tell my story. I kind of run through it, and uh, and I just say, and I love going this route. I think it's great. I think most players try to do this. I said, you know, there's a ton of people watching. Why don't you just talk to the crowd? I was like, you get a neutral response. They go ahead and talk to the crowd, and they like they get three. They talk to three different people, and uh, they come back, and they're like, hex mages in play. You know, continue playing. 
So I make dark depths and kill him. Um, <laughs> slightly flustered, but he's like, he kind of gets it. I think he just realized he didn't, I don't even, I don't know if reacting fast enough. I don't know when he was planning on, I think he might have been planning on doing it at the end of my turn or something. I don't know, but played out the dark depths. It was like, you know, and then cast the hex mage. It's like, dude, we've gone through like two steps past that now. He wouldn't have had priority ever, would he? To because you he dark depths hits the graveyard. You play a depths and then you cast hex mage. He never had priority to hit the depths and get it out of your hand, right? Right. Well, he yeah, Lanny should have killed the stage, but the way you were describing it, I don't think he had priority, and if he did have priority, then he just simply missed it because something happened after that or something resolved after that, and then once you play Depths, he can once you, I mean, even if you just go Depths, he still doesn't have priority until you actually cast the Hex Mage, so Yeah, nobody, your opponent never gets priority after you play a land using a special action, unless the land has a trigger or something like uh, Right uh, uh, to Depths Steps enters with 10 counters, right? So there's never a trigger. Nope, never a trigger. But something like City of Traders might create a, a, a passive priority. I can't think of it. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Piranha Marsh or like any of these fucking garbage coming to play lands or whatever. But yeah. And, and yeah, even, if you, even if you like, you know, Surgical is my Dark Depths after I play a land, it's like the Dark Depths is already on the field. Yeah, certainly. Right. Certainly, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't respond to you playing the, the Dark Depths. I mean, the, if you want to surgical somebody's dark depths, and you know you should be doing it like in their draw step, and certainly not letting them get to their main phase. Anyways, make top eight, or actually before that, my opponent Zach uh, Cook and uh, we ID in the top eight infect player from Alabama, and uh, we go into top eight. My first opponent is a storm guy, very smirky, and again we're just kind of like laughing. I don't. I was playing really tight. I think some of it was just being like, just putting no pressure on myself and just kind of being very laid back about the whole thing and just kind of having that feeling like, oh, this is all funny. I'm going to kill you. And then, you know, just playing out the cards right. And uh, that's basically what happened with the Storm opponent. He left me up to make a kill basically both times. He just got kind of caught off guard at the speed of the deck. Um, he was kind of holding back a bit. I did go really fast in game two just to try to knock him out. Like, I just had – I never really had a fast kill the whole tournament, but the one time I really tried to do it was in that game two, the Storm opponent, where I just went, you know, dark depths, go, turn two, play Thespian stage, and just drop Lotus Petal. Uh, oh, no, I just did two spirit guides, actually. <laughs> And uh, at the end of his turn, and then he echoing truth that, uh, and oh, uh, that was fucking mind twist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that, so uh, I got blown out pretty good there. Targeted discard obviously was great. It's not really a great matchup in general. I don't think it's as bad as uh, some people make it out to be, but I I actually do pretty good against Storm, and I actually do pretty good against Blood Moon decks, actually. The deck that I truly fear is Depth and Taxes by quite a long shot. That deck has too many answers, too many threats. Too many blockers, too. And blockers. I mean, literally almost every card in that deck hoses me. Like, literally almost every card. 
Clicker Wisp is just brutal. Um, <laughs> even cards like Ether Vial, which like you know wouldn't seem like that great of a card in the matchup, is fairly strong. Like just they, they can survive, and like maybe they have to plow your first Merit Age, which sucks, you know. But like once they have a Vial on three, your life becomes really fucking impossible. Right, I have to have targeted discard, and I have to basically be lucky that they're not drawing into basically recruiter of the guard or flicker with itself. You have to solve. You have to solve creatures, removal, and lands, like because all their lands that aren't planes fuck you. And then like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. it's even just port, even port stuff on me. But yeah, port can be a pain in the ass. They can force the combo and make you do it on their terms. It's yeah. Even Mother is not great, but, like, Mother and a Flyer, and then... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, even just, like, something like Mirrodin Crusader just puts on so much pressure if he's holding a weapon. It's just, like, it just goes on and on. They're holding... And some of them play, like, Path of the Exile. Like, there was, like, one of those Giga Quarterlies where someone was playing, like, four swords and four paths, like, close sideboard, like, right before top eight. Fucking brutal. Uh, anyway, so I beat my Storm opponent, and uh, we go to top four, and there's a discussion for split, and I'm like, hell yes, get me out of here. And uh, and they're just like, and they're like, all right, cool. And the, and the land, there's a lands player there, and he just leaves. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, cool, I'm gonna leave too. And I was like, I was like, peace out. <laughs> and, like I went to go get my prize, and they're just like, no, 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 no. They're like, well, like, well. First, they give me like a first, they give me like a card that's like not as many tickets as I would, whatever they give you, not as many as I was like expecting. So I was like questioning it at first. I, I asked the dudes at the table or in the top four, and they're just like, no, it's more than that. And I went back, and they're just like, oh, you have to wait for everyone to finish for the actual split. Oh, they just played one match. Uh, so yeah, it was a, it, so he so Zach only had to play like did he even play Zach, the finals. Zach didn't play a, a, another. He Zach. Oh, he was, he wanted the title though. Somebody actually wanted yeah. the trophy. Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, the, the the Grixis guy and and Zach both wanted the trophy. Got it. Okay. Me and the Lands player didn't care. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, and um. So Lance player takes off. I don't know what happened with his credit. I think he knew one of the guys or, like, they worked something out. Because, like, I had left for, like, ten minutes while they were figuring it out. I was using the phone. And I came back, and then uh, Lance player left. And uh, and then, you know, all that stuff with the card had happened, the, the credit or whatever it was. And um, and they're like, oh, you got you to gotta just wait it out. And I was like, all right. And, you know, I'm just like, fuck. Trying to coordinate with my friend about the Corey Feldman show. So it's like, you know, you want to play this Grixis dude? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so, you know, whatever. And so we play, and I just play just completely dog shit. I just don't care. I just want to go. Um, super casual. He is extremely nice dude. Like, we're both just bullshitting the whole time. But, I mean, it was just kitchen table magic, at least on my side. And there was a point, I don't know, I was, like, beating him down with, like, Oli and, like, Elvis Spear yes. guide. It was just like a dumb, they're just kind of dumb games, but it was a cool deck he had. Like he, 
he's a good player. He was uh, playing. You could tell that the deck could be played in a lot of different ways, and I felt like he was playing. Like he was, he was definitely picking the right routes on how to manipulate his deck to play against my deck. So kudos to him for that. Flops on me for just not really trying or caring. What? Uh, which of the which of the Corys is still alive? You said Feldman. Feldman. Feldman's alive. Haim is dead. Oh, rest in peace, Corey Haim. Yeah, rest in peace, Corey Haim. There's a sick YouTube clip clip of him just like totally wasted, like trying to play a keyboard and talking about how he's like a celebrity. But otherwise, Lost Boys is the greatest movie ever. Um, uh, it's up there. So it's ironic. Like he was the one who got turned into the vampire, right? Sam is the his younger brother. Never becomes a vampire in that movie. Right? Michael Michael Sam's brother becomes a vampire. Yeah, and he is dead. The, that, the was, that was Corey Haim. Yeah, Corey Haim, who is the brother, the younger brother of Michael. He's, oh my bad, I got him. I got him swapped. He's Sam. Sam's the younger brother. Yeah, Sam's Michael's younger brother. Who is not a vampire, never becomes a vampire in Lost Boys. Right, he's just like really tight with his dog, and then he's tight yeah. with his frog brothers. You're a vampire, Michael! My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire! God, that movie's good, dude. God, that movie's good. My All the vampires are sick. Marco. Oh, yeah, Marco's a fucking baller. And Wilford Brimley's a fucking, the biggest baller of them all. Yeah, man, I'm gonna watch that tonight. Might be might be something to think about when Inked has another playmat sale. Man, yeah, you're speaking my language. <laughs> and then, so yeah, anyways, so that that's pretty much it, man. And then, like, in fact, I watched it because I had to wait for the credit thing to finish off. I don't know, the games weren't that interesting. It just, they just played it out, whatever. Um, got my credit left. Ordered an unlimited Volcanic Island because I'm trying to finish a set of unlimited duels. And now I have all the blue ones except the Volcanic Island because Star City Games sent me a revised Volcanic Island. So I'm what like, in the fuck? Dude, I was so mad. I, can't, I, I literally, like, threw the case across the room. Like... I'm just like, what in the actual fuck? Like, it's like, I don't know, man. Revised dual ends, that's your thing, that's fine, et cetera, et cetera. But what a kick in the balls, man, from Star City Games. Like, how does Star City Games not able to identify, especially they're charging $600, you know, for a slight play plus unlimited volcanic island. You cannot send me a revised volcanic island at that point if you're asking for that much money. You best know the difference of the two. They, You're fired. If, there, if there's a dual land that looks different between Unlimited and Revised, there's two of them that are significantly different. Yeah. Plateau being number one because right. it's a different art. And then <laughs> number two being Volcanic Island because it is so fucking dark. Yeah, it's like, ten it's, times as dark. It, it's, it's, there's, I don't even know there's another magic card that changes in, in light to dark contrast between reprinted editions than that. The island, the dark, dark, the, the darkest of the three islands is, like, so dark in Unlimited and uh, Beta. And then yeah. realized those islands just got flushed down the fucking toilet. Big time. So, anywho, oh, and then I'm going to bitch about one other ordering thing. I ordered eight of those white horses, the fucking creative, the shit's five, five horses. Oh, yeah, riding the oh, white horses. 
Yeah. I ordered like eight of those because I wanted four for a deck, and then I was going to try to convince Zach Wilson or someone else to play a horse deck with me. Yeah. And <laughs> if you could get four people to do it, it'd be even sicker. Yeah, you need you need yeah four horsemen, but like fucking. I forgot, Udo Games or something. I guess they host like 93, 94 events. They canceled my fucking order because they said they didn't have the stock like three weeks after pre-release. Like I wasn't even, I didn't care about the order. I just like basically forgot about it. Then TCG like stepped in and sent me a message. So fuck them. And then another order off eBay. I got like five alpha forest for like 20 something bucks 22 bucks or something which is fine you know i want to get an alpha uh of the kind of jade uh forest for my deck and then they all like four of them three or four of them came warped and they're all like halfway out of the fucking top loader and the dude and i'm like dude what are you doing like i literally like wrote a message like what are you doing like what is wrong with you He's like, oh, my bad, man. They must have got warped in the mail. It's like, no. I mean, I didn't even respond. I was just like, okay, whatever. I just want a refund. But, of course, they did not get warped in the mail because only, like, three of the five were warped. And they were so warped. It's like someone spilled beer on them. Like, you know, I have shit that goes from, like, Switzerland to Germany to this other mailbox across the Atlantic Ocean to Queens, down the Atlantic coast, and it's not warped. You know what I mean? Like, shit doesn't just randomly warp in the mail. Yeah. So I'm fucking off of ordering anything off the fucking internet for a while. and uh, Just drive around. Just go drive to South Carolina and visit the Grail Night. Yeah. I'm doing everything person to person for now, so fuck all online sellers for right now. Yeah, I ordered a, I won a Russian loam on eBay, and the guy just sent it, and I was looking for the package. I'm like, nothing in here. It all just looks like letters. And then I look at one, and it's just like, the card just in a normal sleeve in the package. I'm like, Jesus Christ, could have at least put it in a top loader. Yeah, it's not even hard. And, like, I don't, like, I mean, fine. Star City Games, they gave me, like, one of those, like, premium whatever the fuck they do accounts and $5 store credit. And it's like, <laughs> but that's, like, at least something, because I will, like, point the finger at pretty much everybody else where it's like, you have basically hired me to be an employee for free. And not only am I not getting paid, you're giving me some crazy deadline to send it back to you. And I'm fucking sick of it. Like, if you fuck up my order so bad that you got, like, the wrong cards, or the cards are, like, bent in half or whatever the hell, or you just can't. Yeah, like, I get to keep it, and you fucking like, get out of the employee's salary. Yeah, like, something, like, it's not just like this, oh, everyone makes mistakes. It's like, yeah, well, you know, if I make mistakes in my life, guess what happens? There's repercussions, there's things that have to be done, et cetera, et cetera. Fuck this. Anyways, that's it. That's my rant. Like, people need to start paying me money if they're going to send me the wrong shit and make me, like, drive to, like, UPS or fucking Atlanta downtown fucking postal office that is, like, literally full of zombies and, like, people that do not give a shit about anything that has to do with the mail or customer service or really anything and do it on my lunch break or whatever for a fucking magic card. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are some characters in the A, you know. Oh, God. Atlanta government workers? Dude, pull a bullet in my head. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's getting edited in, man. It's going down. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. Send me volcanic. Get the wrong card. Going downtown. Through the boulevard. Post office time. Send it right back. Star City Games. Just smoking all the crack. <laughs> Hope they all die. Freestyle car pros. Man, that's a lie. It's sick, dude. I mean, ever since the gathering, you know, we really haven't had a significant Magic the Gathering rap presence. I think there's room in the market for another one. I'm down for a Tusk rap. Let's do it. Like all, like one, like 15 minute long of every Tusk just thrown out a verse. Especially since we're in the A, which is just like this rap cesspool. I mean, there are like four rap studios within a mile of my house. <laughs> just get some studio time. <laughs> I could, actually. I'll go head up to the street execs and see if they'll give the Tusks Tusks studio time. Tusk execs. Just wearing Tusk shirts. Getting studio time to make a rap album. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Alright. Oh, well, that was a little bit off the rails. So, uh, let's see. So that was the classic. Talked about teams. Oh, so, uh, so next up we had the Tuscutational 2, so that was an invite-only team-focused tournament that was held in Atlanta at the Rib Ranch, and uh, it was three-person teams. The formats were Legacy, Vintage, and Legacy Unleashed, and uh, you can check out pictures on Twitter. The hashtag is Tuscutational, all one word, two. You'll note that this is our second Tuscutational Um the first one was last fall, and then the Texas Lurgoifs, of course, ripped us off and had their goification recently. Um, and uh, we had ten teams. We had five – well, we had four pure Tusk teams. And then we have a spare Tusk, uh, Handlebars. I come back from uh, – he's been working a lot lately, but he was able to make this, uh, this team event. So we paired him up with uh, Fro and Sam Tool to form Team Supervillains. And then we had the Cat Warriors, the Taxmen, Mike's Basement, Fuck Sam Lowe, and Team Food, <laughs> and Team Food Court. <laughs> so it was pretty sick. We had uh, we had uh, we had an even ten. So we paired off all the Tusk teams against the non-Tusk the first round. It was actually uh, a surprising little amount of Tusk on Tusk violence. Like the way the pairing shook out, um, it worked out pretty well and. Uh, we did. We cut to a top four because we only had, you know, ten actual competitors. And I was on Tusk Adult Squad with Evan and the Beta Fiend. Tusk Millennial Assault Squad, uh, which Josh Hand was a part of, dropped out pretty early. Uh, Josh, do you want to tell us about your? Do you want to tell us about your brief experience playing Vintage Dredge? Yes. Um. So my very first action after a few beers, I first turn, first everything. Play Bizarre, activate Bizarre, draw two, discard two, go. That was, uh, yeah. next turn my opponent was like, not enough cards in here. I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> the, card, the card is pretty good as printed. I mean, you might even say the three is like a positive versus a negative, but yeah, if, if it was draw two, discard two, I think people would probably just play it, not even in Dredge. Yes, Pants, is, uh, Pants came over, and he was like, well, I believe the uh, discard is actually an advantage for your deck, so I'll just let your opponent use you instead of giving you the choice. So he discards my second land, and then I never draw another land to trigger any blood gas, and I die. So uh, I, I imagine that you lost all the games when you mulled to nothing and didn't find Bizarre, and or games in which you activated Bizarre correctly. Uh, yes. 
most games, my Bizarre was wastelanded very quickly. I think uh, the one game I got to activate it twice, I won by quite a long, long mile. And every other game was pretty miserable. Yeah. But Bizarre is a sweet card. I still I think some. it's a pretty powerful deck. I, I, I don't know how many triggers you missed and if you played the deck optimally, but I think it's powerful, but yeah, I mean, there are some times when it just seems like it can never win a game. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when it's, uh, my opponent, when one of my teammates has already lost and it's the game three of, you know, the team event. So if I lose this game, our whole team loses. And then I just simply mold a zero. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> an uneventful loss. Did your team, uh, so uh, we should take a step back. Legacy Unleashed is Legacy with um, Frantic Search, Goblin Recruiter, Mind Twist, Earthcraft, and um, Survival. Survival of the Fittest Unbanned, yes. So did I, did I, I have the deck list. I should look through them. Did Seems Good play any Unleashed cards in his Elves deck? No, right? Or a Mind Seems Twist good, board? Yes, he played a Gentleman's Mind Twist in the board because, fuck it, it's Unleashed, why not? Even though it's probably worse than anything else he could be playing. Yeah, like a Thoughtseize or something. you play any Hollow Man in your deck? Yeah, I believe there was four. That guy was pretty sick. I got to cast him on turn one a couple times. Help I me, stuck but four Hollow Man in his sideboard. Like, where I would normally maybe play Unmask or a bunch of, like, way more Containment Priest hate, I just put Hollow Man because, A, the movie is sick, B... Uh, just seemed to sidestep, like, all the hate. The problem for me with Hollow Man over the weekend was that, uh, my opponents pretty were, were very, very aggressive, and correctly, at stopping my Bazaar and wastelanding it, so sometimes I would get a first Hollow Man, but if they create another creature, it's tough to attack, and the other Hollow Man just got stuck in my hand, so. Maybe the moral of the story when we write Understanding Hollow Man is that you shouldn't bring it in against Wasteland decks. I was drunk and I'm dredging. I'm an A-button. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. So you guys kind of kind of scrubbed a little bit. Um, Tusk Adult Room, myself, Evan, and the Beta Fiends. I played Unleashed. Evan played Legacy. The Beta Fiend played Vintage. Evan, did you change anything from your classic list? or? Yeah. I fucked up. Oh. I, uh, I moved out three Massacres for something else which was a mistake because I wasn't expecting that much DNT. I think I brought in like another, oh, what I did was I took out the massacres and I brought in, um, I took out one Sylvan library. I took out three massacres and I brought in another crossing grip because I was figuring there's going to be people were going to anticipate playing blood moon against me. I brought in three bobs. So Bob was to replace one of the Sylvan libraries too, just because he's good against uh, edict more so than, library is. Oh, yeah. That makes and sense. And he also puts in more pressure. I've found myself actually swinging in lately. Not a lot by any means, but there's been a decent amount of times where I'm starting to just hard cast dudes and swing in, and now that I have Oli in my deck, too, there's actually like a decent amount of like two two-something guys, two-one, two-twos. So uh, sick that you have two invitational cards in your deck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got, I got two of, and, and two of the best. Uh, yeah, the massacres would have been good, you know, obviously in the finals. Um, yeah, yeah, there were many, many, many flicker wisps. But I mean, I had the worst matchups. I played, I mean, in like five rounds, I played against two Blood Moon decks and two DNT decks, and uh, something else. I don't know what else I played against, but like a blue white deck. But 
I knocked out two blood the Blood Moon matches, and I knocked out a DNT match, and then I lost to a DNT match in the finals. Yeah, so the Beta Fiend played like a managing paradoxical outcome deck, and uh, he got the Punt Lord Award for a variety of savage punts, including just fetching and never finding a land, force of willing, <laughs> two things that were cast off Cavern while I wasn't looking. Um, nonetheless, he still powered through and won several of those matches, which was also awesome. I played Legacy Unleashed, and just to prove a point, I played Reanimator and uh, played no none of the unbanned cards because they're all fucking shit and mule dick compared to Grizzlebrand. So I just put Grizzlebrand or Iona in play on the first or second turn most of the time and play like a complete recess monkey, and it didn't matter because Grizzlebrand. Now, I did play, uh, I expected a bunch of High Tide, Expected high tide out of the Taxman and perhaps out of Tusk, Tusk Tekalum as well. I played main deck Iona. I was playing uh, Reanimator for people who have money, so I have Underground Seas in it. And <laughs> Iona against high tide is a lock, so that was kind of a cheap way to get wins against those two decks. And then Jansen beat me because he sacked Caracas in his opening hand, and then he also beat me in another game because he just had a path to exile a one-of as his last card that he just drew off the top of his library to path my demon and I gained no life and I lost the game. But I, I won at life because he would later vomit in the parking lot and have to be driven home by his girlfriend. So I might, might like path more than swords right now. I mean, it feels it feels bad when your Grizzlebrand gets pathed and you're like five life and they attack with like three shitty creatures and you die. So that does suck. Yeah. Same with Marilage. Yes, and get, get Marilage. I... I I couldn't believe I lost to Jansen, A, because he's a retarded ape, B, because his BAC at that point was like 9.9, and C, I had a turn one Karanos, which is little deck with no creature, I believe, with a toughness, three or greater. I didn't think he'd possibly beat it, but I, I, I ran and drew a bunch of lands. I was killing all of his guys, and then finally he drew uh, Stoneforge to get a Sophie. And I was, like, put in a position where I had to reanimate Grizzlebrand or Grave Titan, and I had a Pything Needle. So I just Pything Needled Caracas, got Grizzlebrand out at, like, whatever, five life, and then he drew the path. I could have lived another turn or two if I played the Grave Titan, but, like, didn't play around Path to Exile, I guess. If he plows it, I'm fine. I gain seven life. Like, anyway, maybe I should have just got the Grave Titan, because if he plows Grave Titan, I gain six life, but I have two extra turd blockers. And then I, if I just draw running spells with Karanos, I just kill his whole team. So, anyway, I probably should have won that game, but I'm an ape, and Grizzlebrand is hard. So, but other than that, it was just a wrap. Grizzlebrand's retarded. Grizzlebrand should be banned. Even these cards that we have in Legacy Unleashed, Frantic Search, Survival, Earthcraft, Goblin Recruiter, and fucking Mind Twist, they are such hot garbage compared to Grizzlebrand. It's a fucking joke. So, Goblin the, Oh, Goblin Recruiter is so fair, it's not even funny. You know, he did. He won a game against me with Goblin Recruiter, though, because he was able to deal with my first reanimation. I forget what he did. Either, like, therapy did or had, like, a relic. Oh, no, he had, I think Stink Scourger off Cavern was what got him out of it. And then what he was able to do is stack his deck such that he had, like, Scourger, Weirin, Warden Weirding, Warden Weirding, Warden Weirding. And, like, <gasps> so it was a cool way for a deck that's otherwise, like, unable to, to really beat Reanimator consistently to, like, if he can just get over the hump of the first one, Recruiter can set him up so that, you know, he doesn't... It's basically, like, cantrips for a goblin deck. I mean, Matron is the same thing, but, uh, you know, 
and he didn't play all four. He played two two recruiters and uh, just took out some of the janky legends and just played recruiters instead. Got rid and, of Grenzo, probably. Yeah, he got rid of Grenzo. He also didn't play Krenko in this because he expected a lot of high tide, so he played four fucking. I was going yeah, Eurig Squad. I always want to call him Bogart Ram Gang because I just like saying Bogart Ram Gang. But yeah, Eurig Squads. He played four squads. He squatted me on the second turn in the quarter in the semifinals off of Lackey Warchief untapped uh, second turn. So Lackey attack trigger Warchief cast fucking Earwig Squad. But I I had yeah. Normally it would be gross, but I had Entomb in hand, so I Entombed Elish Norn and put it in his butthole. But it was a pretty good call to main the, the squad. And I, I think Goblins would just be as bad as it is now with Recruiter. It would just mean that they could pull some, you know, probably pull, pull a few more games out. I don't, I don't think it would make the deck good, but uh, still can't beat a 1 2. But anyway, it'd be fine. Frantic Search. So 1 2 people played Frantic Search. Both of them playing High Tide. Deck is still real bad. Um, can't beat Targeted Discard backed up by Counterspell. So, like a Delver deck with Thought Seizes, I think would be just a total wrap. Plus, everybody's playing surgical now, so, like, you have to, you know, you get your high tide surgical, you have to keep, like, one in your board. Now, you, if you're smart enough to do that, which Ziggy wasn't because he was drunk, but, like, you know, now you're talking about just having one high tide in your board. If you get surgical, you have to wish for it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, you have to actually, like, force of will Thalia, like, I mean, you're just, just a fucking nightmare for that deck to win. Uh, imagine it, you can't win against Chancellor, like, if they reanimate yeah. Chancellor, you can't win. It's so bad, and I can't. Im- the only other thing I think that Frank Search might be played in would be like Show and Tell because they play Tomblands. So maybe you have like a volcanic island, two vaults, and an ancient tomb turns you a little profit. Like, you tap three lands, cast Frantic Search, find your awesome, difficult-to-assemble two-card combo, and then untap and have the mana to play and activate Sneak Attack. That seems good, I guess. But it's still, like, a negative one-card cantrip. Maybe it replaces Intuition? Maybe? I don't know. You're a resident show-and-tell expert, Josh. What, would you have played that over Intuition? Probably not. Intuition's fucking nuts. It's vampiric tutor. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then maybe Reanimator, like, but I played a whole day of Reanimator, and I can tell you, you don't need a three-mana spell to win the game. It's just stupid. You just cast into him and win. Yeah, and another thing is, like like you were saying, discard plus uh, counter magic's really good, and the best, you know, Delver deck is playing therapies and probes and days and all that. Like, how the fuck is High Tide ever beating that? I crushed him with elves. Yeah. I just went and turned... He went Merchant Scroll for High Tide. I therapied. What did you name? Him. Uh, he forced it. And then uh, <laughs> I placed a Dried Arbor, and I got two Dreadnoughts out of his hand and left them with two Frantic Searches. Nice cards. Yeah, the card's bad, and uh, it probably needs to be unbanned as well. Mind Twist is awful. I mean, as fun as it is to, like, get a Mind Twist for three off on the second turn, it uh, didn't matter. I think the max Mind Twist was, like, for three. Is that right? Fro, what a... What was everybody playing as far as, like, the banned cards go? I know Fro is on Twist. There's a couple High Tides. Two High Tides. Uh, I guess Seems Good Miser's Mind Twist. There was a Squirrel Porn. There was no I was, Survival, wasn't there? No, no Survival. I, I, you know, a lot of it, though, is, is like, gaming. It's, like, metagaming. So, you know, I think Survival is a good Magic card. It would be a great Magic card, but, like, 
a lot of people were gaming against High Tide or gaming against Survival. Keaton was just playing like Blood Moons, and like Zach was just playing absolute High Tide Crusher stacks with like six Armageddon's, four chalices, four three balls. Just like it seemed like the team, the teams that did well, at least in the Legacy Unleashed portion, weren't playing the Unleashed cards because they were like, these cards suck. I'm just gonna play a normal deck and crush the people trying to dirtle with these terrible cards. Yeah, I don't know how well Brian did. He was on high tide. Ziggy did poorly. They got annihilated. But, like, I think Brian's teammates finished most of the matches before he could finish, so I don't actually know what his record would have been if he had finished his matches. But, yeah, the deck does take a long time to win, too, so that's a problem. But Yeah, that's the big problem with the deck is it just can stall out games for so long. And I think that it just has the possibility of just turning people off from the format and just, like, but no one would play it because it's bad. Like, in order for it to ruin a tournament, you have to have more than two people playing it. Well, it would and, be like, so budget, right? Because you don't need candles. Yeah, but, like, Reanimator's cheaper, and this deck's terrible. I mean, it, I think it actually might be a terrible deck. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I think it actually loses to everything. It loses to Thalia. It loses to Targeted Discard and Delver decks. It loses to Reanimator. Chalice, he loses all the Chalice decks. I mean, it can literally beat nothing. But yeah, I mean, it's a budget deck, but like, if two fucking high tide aficionados who are in the high tide MySpace group are going to play it at a tournament, fucking God be with you. It's kind of like the Goblins players, you know, like, they'll know what they're doing with Recruiter, and they won't hold up the tournament, I think, anyway. Like, no random grinder barnacle turd is going to pick up a tier C high tide deck and decide to play it. Like, they're going to be on just Delver and grinding, like, the barnacle turds that they are. Like, the two people at the SEG Classic playing the High Tide deck with Frantic Search are going to know what they're doing. Just like Goblin Recruiter. The three guys playing Goblins will know what they're doing. I don't think it, I don't think either of them would upset the balance of tournaments going along. You know what I mean? I think, anyway. Yeah, especially Recruiter. But he slammed through. Like, when he was playing Recruiter, he, I watched him do it, I think, like, two times. And it was definitely under 45 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did it to me a couple times, too, and it's fine. It's like, it's not that much longer than a matron. I mean, either you're setting up a ringleader or you're finding an answer for something that's, like, on the board as a problem, you know, and you you just set it appropriately, yeah. Oh, Understanding Goblin Recruiter, uh, Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Make sure yeah. you fetch before you cast Goblin Recruiter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I did talk shit to him. <laughs> he set up this amazing pile, and he just had a fetch land sitting there. I was like, uh, you're going to need to fetch to cast that. <laughs> Yeah, fetch first. Uh, that reminds me of the Obamacare, the uh, Obamacare uh, primer. Uh, rest in peace, Obam- Obamacare tax rack. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, so it was a mono tusk final, as is God's will, and um, we were defeated narrowly. Is the beta fiend needed to draw a colored source, and I think he got seven looks at it to tendrils Sean French's face, and he failed. So it's fine. And uh, we'll do another one maybe sometime next year. I'm not sure. We probably won't do teams again. I just wanted to do teams to do it. It was fun, but it was a little bit of a logistic nightmare. So uh, I think the uh, the next one will go back to solo. I enjoyed the team format. It was really fun. But, uh, yeah, like you said, logistically, especially with uh, Fuck Sam Lowe leaving last second, really yeah, kind of had, fucked up there. We had the crisis of treachery. So the night before at 1130, a member of the food court just decided to just bail on his team. And uh, all in the name of a woman, I guess, that he met over the Internet. The food court then had to reclaim their member who was on loan to 
to uh, John Jansen's team. So that team then had to, on short notice, pick up Taxman Josh Queen, and they became Team Fuck Sam Lowe. So. Yeah, if it had been like three legacy, it would have been a little different, I think. It would have been all right, but when everybody's planning for different formats and having to borrow a bunch of stuff, it's that was pretty annoying. Yeah. I think actually the next one, well, we'll see what happens with the ban restricted list, but I feel comfortable like next winter if we if we gave enough notice just doing Legacy Unleashed. I just don't think I don't think it matters to be honest. I'll just play Grizzlebrand if I wanted to win if nothing changes. And like terrible survival deck or something. Yeah, I think I think you'll play I think you'll see more survival if 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 that's the thing, but I I don't yeah. I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, they really need to let pretty much all those cards go. Mind Twist is just black vice all over, so yeah. it's, just, it's just a joke. Like him, him is like, him is designed for legacy. Him is more powerful. It's two mana, and you can wasteland people on turn two off of a death right. It's way better. Fro with Fro's idea was to put it in Tesserator as a four of, and just try to play like Ancient Tomb Talisman of you know Big Dick, Untap Land. Look, I got a slightly better him. Taste it. That was his plan, anyway. I don't know how well it worked. I guess I could ask him, but I don't think it was working very well. You know. <laughs> you could even make misdirection start seeing play. Nice him, or twist, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I encouraged everybody playing High Tide to have a misdirection in their wisp board just to get somebody. There was a little bit of bobbing and weaving. Like, I, I, I know that certain people were gunning for certain people. Like, I definitely put Zach on... Mind twist and a few, you know, I, I, I misread a few, a few of the legacy, um, unleashed participants. But I mean, the only thing I knew is that I knew no one would put me on Grizzlebrand. So <laughs> I had that going for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I didn't even know you're playing reanimator until top eight. So yeah. And it also struck me as a, probably a deck that, uh, I could pilot no matter how drunk I got. And that turned out to be fine. Jansen apparently piloted that weird Death and Taxes deck at, like you said, BAC of nine, so. Yeah, I mean, he, did he not vomit, come back in and play his last round? Uh, I believe he did, because it was like right after we ate that he vomited, I think. <laughs> yeah, there was like nine, nine pounds of oatmeal and pulled pork in the parking lot. <laughs> and he came back in and played Magic. Oh, just the best. I was kind of happy on the source, the the ban restricted thread. Somebody that wasn't named me uh, brought up how miserable and unfun Jataxian Probe is. Everybody's just tired of Delver always having perfect info with their therapies and dazes and stuff, but I'm glad somebody else thinks the card's retarded. The problem is with people arguing against, well, with Probe, like, a lot of people think it's not very powerful because it's, like, something that you use as a tool with ball therapy true but like the main power of probe is just that the information is so vital in legacy like the better player you are the better the card is and granted you should kind of know what your opponent has by how they're playing at the same time if it's turn one in game one and you probe them that's that's that awesome. i don't care how good of a player you think you are and how much information you can gather from another player the only information you're working off in game one on turn one is the color of their sleeves what clothes they're wearing and dice roll. Your facial hair. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're working off almost nothing. And I know there's an argument of oh, I know what my opponent's doing. No, when you probe them in the opener, that information is so key. And then you draw off of it. Like that's 
that's where the car's real power is. It definitely combos, obviously, with Cabal Therapy, but I just always hear people saying that the car's not, it's only powered with Cabal Therapy, and it's like, no. Like, one of my main, like, Thought Season Dress are very powerful, not, like, half of its power is taking the card away, sure, but the other half is definitely, like, in an opener, like, turn one, Thought Sees you, like, knowing what your opponent doing is, like, that's so monumental in Legacy. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, and the other thing is that we've had peak forever, so... It, it shows you how strong a Taxian Probe is that paying blue mana at instant speed, that card is completely and utterly unplayable and will never be played. But being, like, free, the, the bar for playing that card in your deck is, like, it's just so low, you know? Do you have some blue mana and are you not playing Chalice? And that card, you know, you know, rarely is a problem. I mean, Sneak and Show sometimes plays it. Infect sometimes plays it. Storm obviously plays it. You know, Delver with, with Probe plays it. And I, for me, the biggest thing is that it just breaks one of the cardinal rules that the creator intended his game to have, which is the fact that we play with our hands up, and there's bluffing, and there's the threat of the unknown, you know? And spells cost mana. Yeah, well, yeah. Spells, let's take a big step back. The creator intended for spells to cost mana, so we broke that rule, because Pyrexian mana is fucking cancer. And then... <laughs> And then it just completely dumbs down the game at, at low, like no opportunity cost, you know. And it's uh, it does feel miserable to be on the other side of it. And it, you know, I mean, the better player isn't always going to win in Magic. I get that the game has way too much variance. It's not chess or versus or whatever. But like, uh, it feels crappy to like try to bluff your way around something only to have it blown out for no mana. And in the case of Vintage, uh, you know, plus one mana. And a no card disadvantage. It's, it, it's kind of a miserable card. I, I think on a power level axis, it seems maybe a, like it. I wouldn't ban it. I'd ban Grizzlebrand before I ban that. But like, I ban Brainstorm. But uh, you know, if we're just assuming that's some fucking sacred cow, I would take. I think I'd take Grizzlebrand next, and I'd take True Name before I took Probe because those two cards for me obsolete so many decks that they need to go because they literally obsolete like ninety-seven percent of the cards ever printed. My problem with Probe, and maybe I'm biased, is because I like to play some random off-the-wall shit, and I know, Sean, you do too, and Evan, from time to time, you do as well, but it's like, it's pretty annoying when I create this deck, and kind of the, having the unknown factor is really nice in a game one, especially when your opponent's like, I don't really know what the sequence of plays tells me, and then they just probe you, and it's all, like, you just, why are you even brewing, playing weird shit, if your opponent just is going to know immediately? And it would also make glasses of Urza spike in value, and BJ would be happy. So, Peter Urza glasses, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it got the axe in vintage, and it got the axe in modern, and they may just axe it in legacy just to be consistent. And um, maybe it'll be like another one of the hostage exchange situations where they don't take brainstorm or ponder, which are infinitely better. They take the taxing probe to weaken some shell or whatever, and then we get some hostage back like Mind Twist or some other piece of shit card that won't ever get played outside of me going 0-4 at a weekly. And, uh, you know. But yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. People have been talking up, I mean, I've heard some absolutely idiotic things like Gurmag Angler and even Deathrite Shaman. I, I just, I understand that it sucks that it was printed and it's not a 1-1. I just, man, you can't, you can't ban a 1-2 one mana creature in Legacy. That that just can never happen. Uh, it sucks that it obsoleted so many cards, and it sucks that it's a blue card, you know, but I just, 
Maybe they'll do it, but I, I it's the only thing keeping the stupid Grizzlebrand deck in check. And like, if you take that out of the fucking equation, then why am I ever gonna play a non-blue deck? Because I have no shot to beat fucking Chimp Animator. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a game when you're basically zero at that point. Yeah. Now, if you get rid of Grizzlebrand, you know, then maybe I can get behind get rid of, getting rid of the Shaman. But um, right now, if you're just playing some derp fucking green, white, black deck, you know, that's your only hope, literally, game one to win. It's sometimes your only hope against Storm, a bunch of other, you know, combo decks. And you just can't take it away if you're going to give let people turn one fucking Grizzlebrand. They could, they could stand to unban all the cards we played with this weekend. Nothing will change. Man, I don't have the heart. You can get fucking Zach on and talk about cat porn or like fucking dragon cat, ape, whatever. I don't even know what's been fucking spoiled. Fuck that set. I didn't get anything. I got, I I scanned it and nothing could kill true name nemesis and I just closed the fucking browser window. I'll say one thing. That fucking cat. I, I, I saw the, whatever the cat is. He's got like a bow and arrow. He looks sick as fuck. Stalking Leonin. It's like this sick-ass cat in the grass with a bow. He looks like, you know, a superhero. It's so brutal because the first paragraph, I snap read it. It's two and a white, Cat Archer. When Stalking Leonin enters the battlefield, secretly choose an opponent. And I was like, oh, choose an opponent? Yes, the same wording on Ape, Ape Name Nemesis. It doesn't target. And then, like, the next paragraph, target creature. And I'm like, oh, you motherfuckers. Like... If you had just made it so that neither of the abilities targeted, if it was just like exile attacking creature that chosen player controls or something, like it would have been this really shitty white answer in a creature form that you'd almost like need to have a vial or cavern on cat, but you could like actually answer true name and they didn't do it. Without some terrible narrow thing like Blessed Alliance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a body, and the cool thing about that guy is he doesn't sack himself. You can just use it once, he shoots his arrow, and the true name would be fucking dead. Exile, too, fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Well, that's a wrap. i